dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. One of the reasons many Christians don't feel comfortable assuming a role of leadership is that we think it makes us egotistical. Following, obeying, complying, and supporting seem much more consonant with Christianity. But why do so many of us equate those terms with a lack of leadership? By looking at the Virgin Mary as a model for leadership, we can see that a big part of being a leader is following God. Mary gave the very best of herself to Jesus. And so she becomes the leadership model for all the followers of Christ. Welcome back, everybody, to this course on leadership. We are trying to look at something a bit audacious, and I understand that it could be, because most of the time people equate the Virgin Mary with passivity, with, I don't know, gentleness, with meekness. There's not many people that speak about the Virgin Mary in terms of the model of leadership. <laughs> it even just, it kind of, it, you know, it's worth, it's worth a chuckle just thinking about it. But in fact, it's a very true statement. And when, when you think of it, it both changes the way that you look at the Virgin Mary and changes the way that you look at leadership. I mean, maybe our vision of the Virgin Mary that most of us have is just not complete. Maybe, in fact, there's more to her than meets the eye. And when I look at this, the life of this astounding woman and you see how solitary she was with respect to others and the ability that they had to influence her and, and what bold moves that she made for God. You know, for example, not telling St. Joseph that the, the incarnate word was to become her son. That's a bold move. Even, even staring down the, the possibility of divorce and public shame. Uh, Mary, Mary chose instead to take a course that she felt was dictated by God. That's leadership. I mean, incredible leadership. In a sense, Mary leads Joseph there as she leads us all. I mean, you go through the Annunciation, the Visitation. You come to the, the birth of, of Jesus itself, and you can see here again in wonderful display the amazing quality of Our Lady's leadership. Now, you can wonder what, what the connection is here between the birth of Christ and Mary as a leader. But I think that there's an amazing example here. It's almost the iconic place for us to understand what it means to be a Christian leader. Because remember this, everybody. Christians follow Christ and therefore they lead the world. This is really the difference between us and, and purely worldly leadership. We, we have to influence the world, right? And we do by, our, by the power of our leadership. But our leadership itself comes from a different place. It doesn't come from the selfish perspective or it doesn't even come from deep down inside of ourselves. It, it comes from inside of ourselves, but we believe also that it comes from God. That we're part of something as a Christian leader that is bigger than ourselves. That God is using us to accomplish his great design. And we try to yield to that influence and surrender to the God 
who is using us, right? So that we can, in fact, become his instruments. When instrumental leadership is a different kind of thing because it means that the leadership that we are proposing from ourselves is actually ensconced in something bigger than itself. It had, we have a deeper purpose, a deeper drive, a deeper understanding, you know, a deeper relationship with the ones who follow us. And that doesn't mean that we're putting down anything about worldly leadership. It just means that there's something unique about doing it as a Christian. And everything that's unique about Christian leadership flows from the fact that we have a relationship with Christ that comes first. That we who are Christians are trying to serve Jesus. And, and we, you know, I invite you all to not be so, you know, bashful about that or even to, you know, be kind of so shy about that whole subject. There's a lot of Christians today that, that go through the streets wondering whether or not it's okay to be Christian. <laughs> it's almost like we need, we want the world's approval of us before, you know, we, we accept, accept the title. In many cases, we're letting the world even define what it means. Meaning if you were really a Christian, then you'd believe this or this or this about human sexuality. Or you would make sure that you practice this or this or this in terms of your social awareness, Right. Is, well, wait a second. Who is it that defines our faith? Is it, what, is it the world that tells us what Christianity is? Isn't there someone greater than the world to shape our, our mind's eye and our philosophy of life? Well, yes. Who is greater than the world? Jesus. God. The Bible. Right? <laughs> and when you're a Christian, you just have to accept the fact that maybe you, you stand apart from the crowd. Maybe the whole world, maybe an entire society is in fact in need of your help and correction. Why? Because you're anchored to the highest of things, which is God. And when you're anchored to God, you, it's not that you possess all truth and that you don't have to change or you don't have to grow in your understanding. No, but it means that you know the end goal of all growth and you are rooted in the beginning of all improvement. It means that the one that you have found is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And, and since you belong to him, he is your reference point perennially and eternally. And I get it. That's a lot of people don't understand that or they don't like that. But that is at the bedrock truth of what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is somebody who follows Christ. Okay. <laughs> Christ is the leader and we are his followers. What I'm just astounded by is that the corollary to that is anyone who follows Christ leads the world. So if I follow Jesus and I put him as first, I will suddenly find myself in a leadership position with respect to everyone else. Now, I'm not saying, you know, leading on the outside, you have a bishop, of course, you have a pastor, of course, you know, then you have, you know, a spousal relationship, you've got your parents or your families. There's a natural hierarchy that God has made in this world. Um, and, and that natural hierarchy needs to be respected. Not everybody's going to be number one on the outside, but being number one on the outside is not what leadership consists in. Leadership is not a question of having a role to play in society. That's great if you do, and you might, but leadership can also be done by following, by following actively, by following wonderfully, by following, by putting all of your, your gifts and your service at the service of the one who is exerting a role of external leadership with respect to the world. 
And that's, I mean, look at the Virgin Mary. She didn't have any titles. She didn't have any outward claim to an outward leadership. She was uh, submissive to her husband, St. Joseph. She followed his lead. She supported him. And yet she was a leader because everything that she did in that position, she did knowingly, intentionally, with wisdom and with drive. She submitted herself actively to being a follower and therefore she was a leader. She was the leader of the followers. I guess if you were to look at it from a philosophical point of view, you would say wherever there is a perfection, there is leadership. And there is a perfection in outward leadership of of organizations and, and groups and families. There's also a leadership of supporting, of nurturing, of following. Nobody followed Jesus better than the Virgin Mary. Nobody supported him with more ardor. Nobody gave of themselves in a more perfect way to Jesus than the Virgin Mary. And therefore, she is the leader in terms of the example, in terms of, of the best one that whoever did it for all of us who try to follow him ourselves. And all of this is so important, you see, because when we talk about Christian leadership, we begin by following. And I don't want you to think that by following Jesus, you somehow or other lose some of your qualities of your personality, right? Or of anything that makes you great. That's a big fear, especially amongst you who are educated and are driving forth our society, who are running businesses, employing people. You're like, I didn't get there, Father Nathan, by being passive and being submissive. I understand. You got there by asserting yourself as someone worth being asserted. I understand that. And I'm here to say, when you follow Christ, you don't lose anything of what makes you great. Nothing. Instead, you enhance it all. And the, the, the proof of that is looking at the life of the Virgin Mary. Are you a young adult between the ages of 22 and 35 and wondering what God is calling you to do next? Do you have a desire or vision that you just can't seem to complete? Then come to the Rise Above Retreat, June 25th through July 1st at the St. John Institute in Denver, Colorado. For more information, visit www.daregreatthings.org slash riseabove. Many of us uh, who are in roles of leadership, who, who are running our businesses, having to you know, surmount the, the huge challenges that can come our way, right? I mean, huge every single day. I want to just tip my hat to all of our business leaders out there because your job is to solve problems, right? To solve problems day in and day out to find practical solutions. And being, you know, a churchman myself, uh, I'm oftentimes, you know, it's almost like the job of churchmen is to think about problems (laughs) and to diagnose problems and to point out, you know, where problems might be solved, you know. It is, I'm just, I'm just chuckling because of course that's, that's just a stereotype. It's not hundred percent true, but it, it's funny that on the contrary, when you're running a company, you, you don't have time or, you know, to sit back and to say, I, I'm, let me analyze this and think it to death. And then in the end, not do anything about it. You've got to solve it. You've got to solve it immediately. It's one fire after the next. Well, that, that's a quality and it requires a lot of confidence from you about who you are. And it also requires a confidence about your worldview. And this is why a lot of folks, especially those involved in businesses, 
are, are loath to approach self-reflection or philosophy or theology because it kind of shakes a world that they can't afford to have shaken. You know, we, when, when you've got your, your bedrock set of truths and then you've got a confidence about yourself, you have an ability to make decisions. And so analyzing things a little bit too closely can lead you in the end to, to lacking confidence and that can be fatal for your position in leadership. And look, all of us understand that. But we also understand the necessity that if we're going to be a good leader, we have to have those assumptions be correct. You can't just go out saying, because I've got confidence in a worldview, I'm going to be able to do the right decisions. What we need are confident individuals who operate in the truth. <laughs> that, that would be just an amazing thing. How can I both be assertive and confident and love myself enough to stand up in front of a group of people and yet wise enough at the same time to stand up in front of that group of people for the right reasons, give the right message, do the right things? Well, I have got to have a sure grip, not just that I'm convicted about the way that I see the world, but that the way that I see the world is correct, profound, life-giving, is from God. And it might surprise you, but this is exactly the situation we find Our Lady in as she's giving birth to the Lord. I mean, when you look at this as you can see here, really the, the best example of a visual of what it means to be a Christian leader in the world today. Mary was in the world. She was in a world that didn't believe in her son. And she was in a world that was dominated by political uh, violence and social disintegration you know, of epic proportions. I mean, she lived in a far-flung province in the kingdom of Israel, which was a kingdom that was dominated and ruled by an occupying power. And not just the first occupying power, but, you know, the, one of many occupying powers that had ruled over Israel. And it, it had not had a prophet for 400 years. It, it seemed as if God had abandoned his people and the people had lost faith, had lost hope, I mean, if you look at the level of corruption in the, 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 the royal family, for example, of Israel at the time of Mary, it's absolutely breathtaking. And Mary lived in those circumstances, in a world that had ceased believing in the covenant, in a worldview that had stopped waiting for the Messiah for many people. I mean, even, even Jesus, it says in John chapter 7, he, his own cousins did not believe in him. His own cousins. Which means it's almost like you could say Mary had fallen away Christians in her own family. You know, it's like, so if any of you are struggling with that saying, oh my gosh, my kids, they no longer believe I'm a bad person. You know, now Mary only had one child. So, you know, he obviously was the king of kings. But when Mary looked at her family, her relatives, they didn't believe in Jesus. And yet here they were, his own cousins, you know, and Mary had to walk in the midst of many of those types of things. And it's right there that she gave a witness to the world of dedication, fidelity, love for Jesus Christ. When she stood at the foot of his cross, for example, she proclaimed to the entire world what she believed and what they should believe as well. Well, standing at the foot of the cross was just the end point of something that began way before then. It began at the Annunciation. And it began with this woman who said yes to God and who never took her yes back. And the fruit of that, of course, is when she's birthing Jesus Christ there in Bethlehem. And here's why I like this scene so much. Because on the one hand, 
you have Mary physically and therefore, of course, in her whole person, giving everything she has to the support of this child. She, she is body and soul completely focused on bringing Jesus into the world, of giving Jesus to the world. Meaning her reference point is not herself. Her reference point is not her visions for her life, right? Her reference point is him, his mission, his vision for life, his need to exist. I mean, she's a mother. What an amazing image of God a mother is because a mother folds herself under the child to give everything she's got to make that child be able to thrive, to shine, to give his light. Well, could you be, imagine being the mother of Jesus? I mean, and everything about her was given and claimed by that child. Not just like a natural mother with a natural child. She had all that and more because then she was dedicated to him as to her God, her whole soul being given to the service of his glory. And as she births him, everything in Mary is, is put into that singular focus. Giving birth to Christ took the very best from Mary. She, she, she supplied all of her energy, all of her physicality, all of her, her talents, everything that made her great and special. And she put it at the service of Christ. Now, you can see right there a perfection, a, per, a point of excellence that, that Mary embodied. And no one had more to give him or was able to give him more than his mother. And she gave him everything that she had. And right there, she becomes a leader for all of us who are trying to give Jesus everything that we've got. Right? You see, she becomes an example for us of what it means to follow Christ. And yet at the same time, as soon as she does that, she not only leads future Christians as an example, but she literally leads the world because she's bringing the world in herself to the service of God. She's actively submitting the very best of what she has to the service of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you, you make not only a statement, but you influence the world almost like a, a, a bowling ball on a trampoline. If you put a bowling ball on a trampoline, the whole trampoline bends around the bowling ball. Well, you could not come anywhere near the mother of Jesus from that point on without meeting someone who was completely bent to the service of Christ. And when you meet someone like that, well, they influence you into his service as well. And this is exactly what we're all supposed to be. You see, like all of us claimed by Christ's truth end up bending the world around us by that truth. And those who encounter us, our influence, our decisions, our personality, our presence, find that there's something different about us. We're not living just for ourselves. We're living for the one that we love. We've become a Christian leader. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. When we look at the moment of the birth of Christ, we, we, we're seeing a, a moment of excellence in the heart of Mary. 
and an excellence in, in, in the history of humanity. Joseph could not give birth to Jesus. The cows and the sheep could not give birth to Jesus, right? Like Mary is alone at this moment, dedicating the very best of herself to her God. And that solitude of someone who's dedicating everything they've got to the, to the, to the height of God's glory, right, makes her someone that we're able to follow, but also someone whose very presence, life, person, bends the world around her towards the one whom she loves. And, and that's such a powerful image to us because anyone who goes to the extreme of love, the extreme not by the worldly standards, but the extreme of what we can actually give, anyone who perfects inside of themselves their ability to love God, their desire to love God, who acts on that love, it's almost like you, you create a culture behind you because you've stood for someone in front of you. When you follow Christ, you lead the world, right? So, I mean, Joseph was watching Mary birth the Lord and, 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 and being with her, he would have been moved to give the very best of himself to, to, to Jesus as well. Um, and then the birth of Christ shapes the world immediately because now all of a sudden God can use Joseph, Mary, and Jesus and as a sign to the shepherds in the fields. The angels appear and they say, behold, you'll see this sign, a mother and child there laying in the manger. And, and they go and they find this great sign. So now the angels are using them as a sign for the belief of the shepherds. The shepherds go off glorifying God and the whole region starts to hear of the news of what God has done there in Bethlehem. The whole region. I mean, again, when you say Mary is not a leader, I'm not quite sure she, the entire region got to know about the birth of Jesus Christ through Mary. It's like maybe your idea of leadership is just not the same as God's. Maybe the way that you choose to lead isn't the only way. But when God can, God can take anyone who is consistent and solid in who they are, dedicated to him, and use that person as an instrument in fabulous ways. I'm thinking of St. Teresa of the Child Jesus, for example. I spoke with a bishop who had actually been underground in the church in the far-flung regions of China. He said, I've been to places where there hasn't been a mass for 50 years. And he said, you know who I found there? I found holy cards of St. Teresa. St. <laughs> Teresa, the little flower, a Carmelite from France who died at 24, never left her monastery from age 15 to 24. And yet her holy cards are the ones that are keeping the faith alive in, the, in, the, in these little you know, hamlets in China. Our influence, in other words, isn't just about what we think we can do. Our influence is what God wants to do through us. And to be used by God, the very first thing to remember is not, it's, it's not a question of how much you do or how great you are. It's a question of how dedicated you are and how subservient you are to him. How much you want to follow him. That will then enable God to do what he wants through you. And that doesn't mean that therefore you're not active in the world. Mary was active in the world. As soon as she gave birth to Christ, of course, very quickly after that, the shepherds come. Then the magi come. She, so she's offering hospitality. She's visiting with them. She's bringing them to her son. And then very quickly after that, she's got to flee with her husband, wrapping her son up and carrying him away to safety in the middle of the night. Uh, she then goes to Egypt with him where she has to dwell at, with foreigners and bring her son and his presence to their life. Mary had to be very active, very active, but from a core of who she was. 
She was first of all a dedicated follower of the Lord. And therefore everything that she did using whatever influence God gave her was for that cause. Now, I'm not saying that you guys have got to become pastors. You need to stay where you are. You are in the world of business. You are managers. You are owners. You are executives. You are skilled, professional. You are tradespeople, you know, out there in society. And that's exactly where God has you, which means that you've got to exert your influence in normal human ways. I mean, if you're not able to interact in according to normal societal norms, well, you're not going to be able to be effective. I get that. It's just that the influence that you bring can be so much greater, more powerful, more life-giving than a purely human interaction between you and your people. It could actually be something that God himself wants to accomplish in and through you. And to do that, we have to be more focused on the one whom we serve, which is the Lord, than the effects of our service, which is everybody else and what we're doing. And I get it, it's very hard. I'm not saying to become a monk. I'm not saying to leave the world. I'm saying to transform the world, though. And to transform the world, well, you've got to be coming from a position that's bigger than the world. Right? And that's what your faith gives you. First comes God, in other words. First comes that dedication. Like Mary, completely surrendered to Jesus and giving birth to him by offering everything she's got from her strength to her dedication, to her hope, to her faith, all focused on this moment of bringing him forth into the world, well, so too our hearts need to be well, resolute in our faith. And, and if anyone is not there, it's okay. You can get there. Let's start taking steps in that direction, right? Because the more that I'm dedicated to him, the more that I'm surrendered to him in my greatness, well, then everyone who comes into my sphere of influence, who comes into contact with me, whom I know and am related with, will, will be pulled by me irresistibly into this direction, a direction of hope. I come to the light. Come to a bigger reason for life. Come to the, the, the source of all love and acceptance and approval. Come to God. Well, why would you come to God? Because you know me, and I know God, and I will bring you to him. And it might not be in an overt fashion, it might be through the policies, the example of my life, but I'll let God find the way. I'll simply offer him the open door of my leadership. This is what Mary, why Mary is so powerful for us here. No one was more convicted. No one was more dedicated. No one was more focused on the Lord than she was. And so everyone who came around her is drawn through her and by her into the arms of the one she just gave birth to, the Savior of the world. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at communications at stjohninstitute.org. That's communications at stjohninstitute.org. And visit www.stjohninstitute.org and sign up for our newsletter to receive updates from Father Nathan.